Welcome to New Consciousness Review. New Consciousness Review is all about the books and films behind the global shift in consciousness. On the NCR Radio Show, your host, Miriam Knight, interviews some of the most passionate and exciting authors and filmmakers she can find among the thousands of spiritual and progressive titles NCR covers each year on ncreview.com. Now, here is your host, Miriam Knight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and we have a different kind of show for you today. I've pulled together a selection of recent books that I thought would make very nice gifts for the holidays. Let's start with one that I actually interviewed the author, Trinace Rose, about a few weeks ago. It's called The Akashic Alphabet. It's I would call it a coffee table book. It's sumptuously, beautifully illustrated, beautifully presented. It takes each of the letters of the alphabet and describes the vision that Trenace had regarding that letter. It covers many cultures and civilizations and periods, bringing them together into a kind of a swirling vision of possibility and wonder of what the world might be like. So if you want a a really beautiful book, The Akashic Alphabet by Trenace Rose from Dementi Milestone Publishing. Next, I have a fun book from Viva Editions called Toasts, The Perfect Words to Celebrate Every Occasion, by June Cotner and Nancy Tupper-Ling. I was leafing through it, and I thought, my goodness, it's got toasts and prayers and wise words for just about any possible human condition. Everything from health to weddings to homecomings to all the different holidays of every single faith. Um birthdays, anniversaries, award presentations, you name it, it's got it. So I think it's a small format book, and I think it would make a fun little gift and even a good reference book to have on on hand for those special occasions. Next. Oh, The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson has now come out in paperback edition. Always nice to have a second bite of the cherry when you've produced a book. This, again, I interviewed Marianne about this book a couple of years ago. It's a really rich vein of wisdom. I would recommend it for gift giving. I would recommend it as a gift to yourself. Very, very wonderful book. Now, here's a book. Living Big by Pam Grout. Now, Pam is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, E Squared. And this is called Living Big, Embrace Your Passion and Leap into an Extraordinary Life. I have to say that when reading through this book, I found it really uplifting. I mean, inspiring. Yeah, I want to get out there and live big and do big things. It it's a um, the kind of book that you 
would enjoy reading yourself as well as maybe giving to the young people, the aspirational people in your life, or possibly even to uh, friends or family who may have lost a job and are looking around for their next incarnation. So Living Big by Pam Grout from Canary Press. Ah, God's Message to the World by Neil Donald Walsh. The subtitle is, You've Got Me All Wrong. Neil starts with this internal contradiction of a God who wants us both to love him and to fear him. And he says very forcefully that God is a God of love, not of fear. And that we have absolute freedom to create um, our wildest imaginations. And it's through our own creations that God expands and experiences through us, that we are indeed individuations of the divine. Wonderful, inspiring stuff. So that is Conversations with God. Uh, author Neil Donald Walsh, his new book, God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong, from Rainbow Ridge Books. And this list would be incomplete if I didn't mention What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakening by Miriam Knight and Julie Clayton, from O Books, John Hunt Publishers, the stories of 37 individuals who have found their own path to conscious awakening, their own path to the divinity. Uh, inspiring stuff, fascinating reading, particularly the messages to the reader. So, What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. And now I'd like to welcome our first guest, Micaiah Hart. Micaiah was born in Scotland. She worked on organic farms in Wales, lived in communes, and trained as a mechanic in England in her 20s. She became a committed and active environmentalist in the 70s, long before that word was well known. She moved to Northern California in the 80s and built her house with her own hands out of recycled lumber. She also ran organic market gardens and was the first person to raise organic free-range hogs commercially in the United States. She started writing books in the 90s and developed her skills as a shamanic practitioner. Her most recent book is Life, Lies, and Sex, A User's Guide to Being in a Body, which is an examination of the true nature of reality. Welcome, Micaiah. I'm delighted to be speaking with you. Well, I'm delighted to be on the show. Thank you so much for asking me on. Micaiah, tell me what is the ultimate aim of your work and your writing? I describe it in various ways, but I would say that ultimately I want to help people to operate from a place of trust instead of fear. And there are several ways I do that. Um, I, I believe it's very important for all of us to get in touch with the 98% of reality that is unseen. And there's huge potential when we do get in touch with that. 
and when we allow universal energy to move through us. And I help people to do that by leading shamanic journeys. Um, it's a, shamanic journeys are a little like a nighttime dream, um, except that you're in control. Um, and they're very different experiences for different people. But the, um, the real key is getting in touch with your own inner wisdom and your personal guides and allowing, allowing is really the right word here, allowing um, some greater part of yourself to be in charge of what goes on. And when you practice doing that in shamanic journeys, you can begin to allow it in your life. And, you know, the, the orchestration of the universe is really best left to um, something greater than our small selves. So um, That's very funny because we human beings always like to be in control and we think yeah. we know better than God in nature. <laughs> yes. yes, and we've made a little bit of a mess on this planet yes. by thinking we know better. Yes. In, in your book, Life, Lies, and Sex, it's primarily about how to live fully and how to be fully alive. Now, what does sex have to do with that? Well, sex, um, in some ways, can be seen as a metaphor for life. Um, it's, sex is primarily about allowing the body to be in charge. And then if you are able to give yourself over totally to the, that experience, you go somewhere that is far beyond the body. Um, and it's really about, again, allowing energy to flow freely and trusting that it knows what it's doing. And really, in life, we, we absolutely need to learn how to let energy move through us freely. Um, for instance, when we're... Um, well, I usually refer to it as choosing what we get and getting what we choose, but it could also be referred to as the art of manifestation. So when we decide that we really want something, um, we need to allow that desire to flow freely through our bodies, through our bodies, allowing our bodies to respond to the delight that we feel when... Um, when we imagine that we have what we want. Um, you know, we may want to jump for joy or um, laugh out loud or, or scream. Um, and those are the kinds of things that uh, we're not supposed to do when we're, um, when we're civilized adults. <laughs> so we learn to restrain the free flow of energy. And, you know, we do need to, in the world at large, we need to to allow it appropriately. I mean, there, you might feel a great surge of anger moving through you, and it, it really might not be appropriate to get angry at that moment. Mm -hmm. So um, we do need to learn to um, control it, or at least make it wait sometimes. But when, when we really can allow that energy to flow through us freely, it's, and, and we can get rid of the blocks that all of us have in place, then we'll find that... Um, there's an amazing level of wisdom can flow through us. And I believe anyone can, can touch into that. So you're drawing a picture of using one's body almost as a cosmic uh, antenna for 
manifestation and the uh, the energy, the emotion, the the sexual energy, if you will, the creative energy, perhaps, is the power source um, that we give. Um, uh, I guess uh, energy to the image that we're trying to manifest. Is that kind of the way it works? Yes, that's that's um, that's certainly one way of looking at it. I mean, we can you can look at it from many different angles. Energy is power. Is is power is energy is life force, and whether it manifests. Um, sexually or whether it manifests in you know creatively whether it's you know writing dancing skiing having children whatever whatever way it manifests it's still energy moving through us and that's life moving through us so that's a lot of why I talk about being fully alive allowing life to move through us is really the basis of the art of being human the art of choice, um, because you might say that, say, learning to choose what we get and get what we choose is the basis of, well, I use the word happiness here, but perhaps happiness is, is a little bit of a trite word. Um, I could use the word joy, the, the basis of experiencing joy. But again, I want to stress that joy and happiness, they're um, when you're living life fully and feelings move through you, even when you might label those feelings as feelings of joy, they may appear to other people as almost ferocious in their intensity because we're so unused to being fully alive, to allowing energy to move through us fully, that it, it feels, um, it, can, it can definitely feel quite frightening when we first allow it. So um, joyful is and joy, joy and happy are not quite the right words. There. Does this have anything to do with Kundalini energy? Well, Kundalini energy again is is energy, is power, is life force. Um, kundalini energy is just one way that somebody has designated a particular flow of energy. Um, mm -hmm. Well, one way that a certain system like the yogic system perhaps um have called kundalini mm -hmm. energy and it's about the energy specifically rising up from the base of the spine of the spine through the top of the head um i certainly know people who've experienced that when they're being sexual um and i know people who've experienced it when they're dancing um it's just a particularly intense um, and sometimes very sudden experience of life force moving through us. So what you're talking about is a more sustained um, living in joy, I guess you'd call it. Mm -hmm. Well, energy is like water. It flows in many different ways. So it can flow fast and furious and have, you know, then, you know, have... have a waterfall perhaps occurs or a flood and it's like a, a, a very massive kind of flow um, uh, but it can also be very slow and steady like a um, a river that's not very steep but is in full flood it's it there's a, a sense of implacability to it the water flows implacably 
Mm. And so, but even though it's implacable, it's quite slow. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways it can flow. And there may be a, a, a short and intense buildup, or there may be a very slow buildup um, without any particularly obvious release. So, you know, it's, uh, it's different at different times for different people. So um, what most commonly prevents people from um, having this, uh, a good energy flow and, and being able to manifest what they want? Well, I would say the first reason is because um, we, we have been taught um, that it's not okay to allow the body to be in control. You know, the rational brain is supposed to be in control. And I, I, the rational brain is a wonderful thing, but it's actually not meant to be in charge. Wisdom is, it's a physical sensation. You know, a, a quick brain can make you clever, but it can't make you wise. Wisdom comes from somewhere else, and it certainly can come through the body. A sense of right and wrong can be a physical sensation felt in the gut, or it, it varies with different people, but sometimes the throat, the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's certainly one way that people disallow a free flow of energy is because they're too much in their rational brains and they've been taught to do that from when they're very, very young. And um, they, you know, they, they don't know how to reverse that. And it, it takes trust. You have to trust that actually the body does know what's right. I mean, you know what's right, but perhaps not the you that is based in the rational brain. I think the um, lack of trust in ourselves, in our own wisdom, is just endemic in our society. Everything uh, kind of conspires to undermine our self-esteem and our self-trust. How do you best go about building that? (laughs) And, you know, in this world we're all so busy... And if we're not um, busy working, then you know we're busy relating to other people, or we're watching TV, or we're reading a book, or we're on the phone. Uh, um, I have spent an enormous amount of time alone in natural surroundings, and that has enabled me to get to know myself in a on a very deep level. So I can tell when I'm when I'm experiencing a sensation that comes from some source that is beyond my smaller self. It's very hard to talk about this because we never have talked about it. We don't have the right words to it. But um, a lot of people know the phrase higher self or source. I mean, they're not quite... Higher self especially is not quite the right phrase because... Um, when we're talking about that that greater part of ourselves, it, there are actually no comparatives. It's not higher or greater, it's just another part of ourselves. But in any case, I think it's only when you're willing to spend time alone with yourself that you can really get in touch with that 
-hmm. however you think of it, you know, inner wisdom or universal energy or source or higher self, however you think of it, it's essential to, um, to get to know that part of yourself. So what do you um, hope that readers will take away from your book, Life, Lies, and Sex? Well, one thing is I hope they will understand that we are told a great deal of lies in this culture. I mean, that's the other thing that constantly misleads us is, you know, we're told this is how you're meant to behave and you know, this is what you're meant to do with your life. And we are all incredibly different. And some of us, well, actually these days I would say quite a lot of people, the average Western lifestyle is not fulfilling for them and they need to find something else that is. And that's a personal thing. It's really a personal thing. So you've got to get in touch with your personal wisdom. I do strongly recommend something like a shamanic journey. And on my website, you can access a recording of my shamanic journey. And there are, of course, recommend that someone is actually present the first time that you do one. It's it's more powerful setting. Mikaya, can you tell us what your website is? MikayaHeart.org uh, and, and that's spelled? M-I-K-A-Y-A-H-E-A-R-T All done. All one word. And um, it's .org, not mm -hmm. .com. Um, well. Yes, I, I can be contacted from my website, and I'm happy to travel to different places if people are willing to organize um, a shamanic journey and, you know, organize a setting. And um, uh, But yes, I'm, I'm willing to travel as long as my expenses are paid. So. Well, I expect they could probably lure you if there were good windsurfing available nearby. <laughs> Kite surfing, yes. Kite, kite surfing, surfing. okay. Yes. yes, I'm completely addicted to kite surfing. <laughs> now, now, I will say kite surfing is an experience for me where I am completely in touch with universal energy or whatever you want to call it. And um, sports certainly are, they, they enable a lot of people to um, get in touch with that experience of, just it, everything is real. You're totally focused on the moment mm -hmm. and you're totally present with, well, in my case, with the wind and the water and there's, there's nothing else. And that's very profound. And, you know, I know that um, traditionally um, a lot of uh, so-called spiritual people look down on, on people who practice sports, you know, extreme sports, but um, truthfully they we're really going to the same place. They're, they're taking us to a very similar place that so-called spiritual people want to go to. Mm -hmm. Well, my goodness, um, you have put it all into this latest book of yours, Life, Lies, and Sex, A User's Guide to Being in a Body. And it sounds like you're making the most of that knowledge and are just ready and willing and able to impart it. So if you'd like to get in touch with Micaiah Hart, go to her website, which is again, Micaiah, please tell us. Micaiahart 
mikayahart.org. M-I-K-A-Y-A-H-E-A-R-T. Mikaya Hart, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Miriam. Our next guest is J.J. Semple, a man whose impressive achievements in the world have spanned industries and continents. He's an author, screenwriter, and publisher, and for over 30 years, he has been investigating workable methods for activating the Kundalini. Today, J.J. Semple is considered one of the foremost authorities on the activation and application of Kundalini. Welcome, J.J. Thank you for having me, Miriam. J.J., tell us what is the Kundalini, and it seems to be a very ancient uh, mystery school knowledge. Tell us about it. Kundalini is a dormant energy that all of us have that resides at the base of the spine, dormant in that it was once awakened during the substantiation process when we were in the mother's womb, but becomes dormant at the moment of birth. And consciousness or the conscious spirit takes over in the form of our senses. So we have really, most of us, betrayed this life force energy. And uh, it's our job to get it back, to, re to find it again. I've never heard that explanation before. That's fascinating. Um, so why would it go dormant? I mean, if it is life force energy, what takes over in its place? Well, we have a, 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 a pranic energy that takes its place but is easily abused by eating the wrong things, by lack of exercise, by breathing, by addictions, uh, by just over stimulation of the senses in that we get uh, shuttled one way back and forth to all the different uh, uh, fads that are going at any one time in society. We get taken in by these things. Uh, Kundalini is, like I say, that the life force. And we are betraying the life force. It's responsible for our substantiation and we can recapture it by meditation techniques that I explore in my books that others also have explored. Now, you used the term prana, which in uh, most uh, kind of yogic and eastern uh, practices is considered the life force. So how is kundalini different? Well, the, the secret of the golden flower, the ancient Chinese text that I used that uh, was translated from Chinese to, uh, by Richard Wilhelm with the uh, introduction by Carl Gustav Jung back in the 20s, uh, talks about two spirits, the conscious spirit and the primal spirit. And the primal spirit is the kundalini. The conscious spirit, again, is our senses, is our... It takes over at birth. And your question is very good. Like, there is, a, is there a differentiation between the two, between the primal spirit or the kundalini? There are many names for it. And the, the residual pranic en energy that we have. Yes, we have it, but there's a limit to it. We can exhaust it. 
but we can also conserve what's left if once we realize that uh, we, we need to. Uh, and where the basis of this energy is biological. Now, kundalini energy in the womb and then and also if reawakened after voluntarily or involuntarily is an energy that's all inclusive it's all inclusive consciousness and the effect that this consciousness has on us as individual beings is it points us in the direction of everything we need to do what we need to, to uh, eat what we need to drink, what we need to avoid, not only going into near a, let's say, an, an atomic uh, bomb site where there's negative uh, energy, but just people we need to avoid, uh, ideas we, we don't need to explore. So habits. is this any different from intuition? Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, because intuition is, is a kind of a glimpse at that through all this... Uh, fog of conscious of the that the conscious spirit throws up around us it's a it's a kind of a tunnel through to the original primal spirit a, a kind of a quick blip through that it's there like some people have this when they first uh, experience they first smoke a, mar a strong marijuana or LSD it's like they experience like oh there's something out there uh, People that have never had that realization beyond the material world can somehow see that glimpse. So that is that, uh, well, that is that. That's a so, so Kundalini is really sort of intuition on steroids. It's this really massive um, shot of connection. Well, uh, it's getting back to all pervasive consciousness, to mm -hmm. what I call an energy continuum. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a tunnel into it that we don't normally have, but we can also awaken it so that it's permanently active in our life and it will change us uh, up to the point that where we activate it. If we're seekers, we are doing it or you are doing it. We're detectives. We're trying to find out something that'll make, uh, that'll change us, that'll help us self-realize, whatever you want to call it. Once Kundalini is awakened, awakened, it does you. There's a big difference there. You don't have to do anything. At that point, you just sit back and you, you listen to it. You don't fight it. A lot of people try to fight it and struggle against it, thinking that they're, uh, this, this thing descended on them, this state of bliss, and that's just one small aspect of it. And they either try to recover that or they're afraid of it and they try to fight it mm -hmm. with the, using their, their mental uh, uh, capabilities. You cannot fight it. If it does take over, if you do activate it, the, the only thing to do is to uh, sit back and let it work on you. And then it goes through every aspect of your life, physical, uh, mental, psychological, emotional. Because Kundalini is biological energy. It's a biological uh, process. In fact, you, you suggest be, in your book that it's evolutionary biology. Yes. You can be converted to a religion or a sect. You can't be con converted to Kundalini any more than you can be converted to an orgasm or a heart attack. These are biological processes. 
people get, they, the, the problem with uh, people's thinking about Kundalini is many people confuse it with religion or sect or black magic or something like that. It's none of that. So you're you talking about the ecstatic. God or have any kind of, it's transnational, trans-denominational, trans-geographical. It's, it, it, anybody, anywhere believing anything can activate Kundalini and doesn't have to uh, have any kind of uh, religious connotations associated with it. So you're talking about the ecstatic experience. Well, first I'm talking about the biology of behind it, but uh, the ecstatic experience is just one aspect of it. People that get trapped in that get permanently trapped in that because there's a whole technique of learning to live with Kundalini that I explain in depth in my book, uh, The Biology of Consciousness, Case Studies in Kundalini. Mm -hmm. Now you have another book called The Backward Flowing Method, The Secret of Life and Death. Now that's a pretty dramatic title. <laughs> What's that about? The Backward Flowing Method is one of the three techniques uh, that uh, uh, encompass golden flower meditation. The first being diaphragmatic deep breathing, being able to slow your breath down, to, uh, well, look at uh, a turtle breathes three times a minute. We breathe, uh, adult human beings, about 25 times a, a minute. The turtle outlives us by 200 years. They must be doing something right, and they are, because the, uh, it's necessary. We only have so many breaths. It's a finite uh, count of breaths that we have in our life, so we can live in the fast lane and burn ourselves out uh, by eating wrong, by not being able to breathe correctly. So that's the first part of the method, and that's really based on, on activating the diaphragm and storing or taking in uh, air and manufacturing prana and slowly getting to a point where we're building up energy in the lower belly. The second, uh, the second uh, part of golden flower meditation is control of heart rate, which is that whole aspect of slowing the heart down as you slow the breath down. You can't command the heart to, 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 breathe, to beat slowly. You have to have a handle on it, and that handle is the breathing. And uh, the third aspect of golden flower meditation is the backward flowing method which once that energy builds up, and it will if you do these, take these steps uh, in, in, in sequence, you can't jump ahead from part one or uh, step one to step three. You have to do the breathing. You have to be able to then, in a quiet room, slow your heart down to where, you, where it's your, each breath takes about 45 seconds or even longer, you can do that. Exhale, uh, inhale, one, two, three, four, hold, one, two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four, hold, one, two, three, four, start over. Mm -hmm. So the backward flowing method, if you do steps one and two correctly, you'll get to the point where you feel a buildup of energy in the lower belly. You will then, then perceive that it has the property of direction down the back and up the front. At that point, you need to command it to reverse direction or flow backward down the front and up the back, and it will work. I did it. Uh, other Chinese adepts 
for centuries have been doing it. People that I've worked with and taught have done it. So it is possible. Now, once you do that, you can't go back. You can't reverse, <laughs> re-reverse it. So you are then in for a kundalini awakening. And that is a big step because not everybody is programmed or prepared to do this. But what happens is once you do this, you'll, in a few days, maybe immediately, you'll feel like a small egg, tiny egg breaking and a spilling out of its contents in the base of the spine. And then slowly, inch by inch, a warm, energetic sensation climbing up your spine. It takes about three months for this energy to get into the brain. And once it does, it's like the 4th of July because this energy has a, just a, a completely refreshing, uh, nourishing effect on the brain. But at the same time, it also takes command. Mm -hmm. the, this, the primal spirit then replaces the conscious spirit, but we're still, because we inhabit bodies, we're still individuals with feet in two different uh, in two different lives, mm -hmm. the, a metaphysical and a physical life. And we can't suddenly renounce the physical because we need to uh, keep faith with our bodies. And we can't suddenly just go into the, to the metaphysical and, and, and forget the rest. A lot of people do, mm -hmm. but they usually have bad experiences on account of that. Now, you have a new book about to be published. What is that called? It's called Seminal Retention and Higher Consciousness, The Sexology of Kundalini. Basically, what this book addresses is young people today are experimenting with Kundalini. They, get, they put the cart before the horse. They're way out there trying to, to uh, figure out the backward flowing method before they've got the breath down. So there's a lot of stop, start, changing methods because there's so many different things out there. When I started in 1970s, uh, there was only, there was just this book. I didn't know of any other book, but back to the, the present. At the same time, they want to continue se normal sexual relations. This has always been the, the two uh, the two themes or two notions, sex, normal sexual relations and higher consciousness have always been at odds in the ancient Chinese and Indian tradition. You didn't mix the two, uh, except in forms of Tantra. Mm -hmm. but, so that's kind of where the uh, tradition of uh, monasteries and monks arose. Exactly, yes, mm -hmm. right, with the, with the gurus or the, the, right. the head monks, uh, keeping everybody, and, and it's spilled over into Christianity too, that the whole thing of uh, celibacy, yes. And basically, uh, the seminal retention techniques are techniques I learned to enable myself to maintain sexual relations without ejaculating or orgasm, which are, have a really deleterious effect once you've activated Kundalini, because when, when you do, you are basically distilling sexual energy or sexually sublimating uh, or sublimating sexual energy and drawing it up the spine into the brain. Mm -hmm. And suddenly 
an orgasm will just deplete that uh, amount uh, of of energy, and you'll you'll go into uh, you're, you, it's like a whole it's like you feel this draining out, and you curl up in a in a uh, fetal position. The first time I did it, I think I ate four uh, uh, little cartons of yo play to try to replenish the energy because food. Uh, good food is part of this pranic uh, a chain, just like uh, breath and uh, breathing methods. Mm -hmm. So, but this is a serious thing. Uh, you don't want to do that. I, I've lived through it. Gopi Krishna, the 20th century foremost researcher writer on Kundalini, writes about it too. About uh, he said a. Uh, unfortuitous or deleterious contact with my wife or an <laughs> unexpected contact uh, and then he describes the the torment that he went through so well that's that's kind of a hobson's choice isn't it it really is uh, it is because do you think it's worth it i think it is if you're if i see the car, my karmic purse uh, a purpose so i know it's it's worth it for me. I can't speak for other people, but I do try to warn them. Uh, I believe that Gopi Krishna uh, saw that same purpose for him. Uh, he lived an extraordinary life. I think that I have lived an extraordinary life because I've come to figure out so many different things that I've written in my books, and people can accept or reject whatever they, that's up to them. But this is all part of a huge discovery period that we're in. And some people, there's so many different things out there and there's so many ways that eventually this will probably get all uh, synchronized and fused and, and we'll, we'll have a much, more, uh, a much clearer uh, idea of really how this all works, this spiritual enlightenment and all these these terms that are floating around some strictly biological and others very airy fairy new agey but i don't discount any of it it's just the the synthesizing that's going to take time but absolutely you're you're correct that uh, that there is a trade off and i talk about this trade off mm -hmm. and the only person that i can say who's uh, who who's taken the the, the trade-off knowingly is I myself. Mm -hmm. Well, that's quite fascinating. So where do people find out more about your books or order them? What's your website? The website is www.lifeforcebooks.com. We have a number of other ancillary websites that actually uh, teach the method www.goldenflowermeditation.com has the most recent update of the method and the and and the breathing process on pages that I update continually both when new ideas come to me that make the method clearer better or uh, ideas submitted or or techniques submitted from people who are practicing the method if it's a better way of doing it, I put it up there. And then there's 
www.commonsensekundalini.com. And we have a blog that I think is really, it's a, a, a very good blog because there are a number of contributors besides myself. So we get a, a, some other points of view. And that's the kundaliniconsortium.org. And how do you spell that? Uh, the, the consortium. Yeah, consortium. Kundalini. Consortium. CO, and uh, yes, consortium.org. Okay. W, w, w. Yeah. Well, my goodness, how fascinating. We have been speaking with J.J. Semple about his books, uh, Deciphering the Golden Flower, The Backward Flowing Method, and your latest book again was? Seminal Retention in Higher Consciousness, The Sexology of Kundalini. Not for the faint of heart, um, and <laughs> very fascinating as we, humanity, grope our way towards the future. JJ, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. And now getting back to the season of giving, I wanted to bring your attention to a wonderful new publisher that I have discovered of late. It's a publisher of children's books called Wisdom Tales. What I find so wonderful about this publisher is that they bring out books from so many different cultures. There's The Fantastic Adventures of Krishna by Demi. There's The Conference of the Birds by Alexis York Lombard, also illustrated by Demi. Fantastic illustrator, absolutely sumptuous pictures. Um, there's Never Say a Mean Word Again, Tales of Medieval Spain by Jacqueline Jules. And two of my favorites are Children of the Teepee, Life in the Buffalo Days, by, edited by Michael Oren Fitzgerald, and The Woman Who Lived with Wolves and Other Stories from the Teepee by Paul Goebel. This last one takes legends from many different tribes and pulls them together in one book. Absolutely beautiful books, rich with wisdom, with folk wisdom. So this is um, Wisdom Tales, publishers. And to round out the collection, I would like to describe two other products. There's the Five Agreements Game. It is a combination of instruction book and playing cards. It's a chivalry of relationships game based on the Five Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It is um, using the power of the Five Agreements to transform your life to become completely happy and free. During the game, you identify the relationships that make your life more difficult. Then, with the help of the five agreements and your own awareness, you transform these relationships by slaying the dragon, namely your own shadow, thereby transforming yourself. Must be good. And then we have a wonderful DVD that has just come out from the director of The Secret called The Power of the Heart. It includes interviews with Maya Angelou, Paul Coelho, Isabel Allende, Deepak Chopra, Mark Nepo, Eckhart Tolle, and Gary Zukov. The Power of the Heart. And you can find out more about it at thepowerofheheart.com. 
It looks great and I can't wait to watch it. And now I have a couple of announcements to make. One is that after getting hacked yet again, our website, ncreview.com, is finally back up and better than ever. And it has a new feature. We have launched New Consciousness Review, the digital magazine, all singing, all dancing. Well, not dancing, but it certainly will sing to you and provide both audio and video embedded in the magazine. It's a fun format, and if you subscribe between now and the end of the year, subscription is free, so be sure to sign up. The other announcement is that these are our last few shows on Contact Talk Radio, and we've loved being here over the last several years, and we'll be moving on to the Healthy Life Network at healthylife.net. The format and name will also be changing. It's going to be called The Miriam Night Show. So I hope you'll join us there on healthylife.net. And of course, you'll always be able to hear our shows, our archive on ncreview.com. And now we're going to close the show with a track from Cara Johnstad called Search for an Angel from her album Unplugged.
That was Search for an Angel by Cara Johnstad. Her website is carajohnstad.com. And I might add that Cara is on the cover of this issue of New Consciousness Review. So you can go to our website and read a marvelous article by Cara about finding your own voice. Well, that's our show for this week. I'm glad you were with us, and I hope you'll join us next week. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.